This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by Wild Olive, where we host game-changing conversation about literature, culture, and the Bible. I'm Jennifer Bird, a biblical scholar. And I'm Jean Patrol, a literature scholar. If you want to change your Bible reading game, you can try reading the Bible as literature. The way writers such as Emily Dickinson, Octavia Butler, Ursula Le Guin, James Baldwin, or Tony Kushner do. Every other week, we let modern writers give a fresh take on a familiar Bible story. Did you know that Emily Dickinson uses woman-by-the-well imagery to explore lesbian desire? (laughs) That's wild. And doesn't June Jordan use a Gospel of Matthew image to describe the civil rights activist Fannie Lou Hamer? Yes. And Tony Kushner's Angels in America uses apocalypse imagery to describe the fall of the Berlin Wall. That's wild. If you like conversations about the Bible that could go anywhere, tune in to Wild Olive wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Apostates Anonymous, the show you turn to when you're no longer an evangelical, with your hosts, hosts, authors Keith Giles and Matthew J. DiStefano. Hey, welcome back to Apostates Anonymous. It's been a while, but we are here today with you. Keith is back. I'm one of your hosts, Matthew J. DeStefano. I'm joined by Keith, who is back from Awaken Nashville. Mm. Before we get into it, Keith, say hi, and why don't you just uh, tell us how it was? Well, yeah. Hello, everybody. It's Keith. I'm back. Um, as Matt said, yeah, Awaken Nashville. This is our second event we've done there. Um, super cool. Um I mean, as an event, it was everything I wanted it to be. Um, and it was at the, it was at the stadium there, right? Where the where the Titans play? Uh, no, we um, <laughs> we decided to make it a little more intimate this time. A so little it was more at, intimate at Sparrow Day Church, um, who hosted us last time. Um, no, so like the the vision for this thing, which we again with, this is our second year. <clears throat> excuse me. And so, I on purpose invite people who have very different perspectives on on theology and things like that. And I say, I always start off uh, the event by saying, you know, look, none of us are here because we agree on anything, Um, but we're here to listen to people who don't think like us, who don't believe like us, who aren't exactly like us. And, you know, just try to learn how to, um, you know, we have things to learn from each other. We don't have it all figured out, Um, you know, and, and just learn how to learn and love and respect each other, even if we think differently. And it was a, on that level, an amazing success to the point where my favorite moment at Awaken when it was all over, we were all on Saturday evening. We were all kind of like hanging out in the lobby and um, talking and taking pictures and hugging and all that stuff. It was really cool. And I was standing next to December Rose, the most Christian speaker that we had on the, on the, uh, on the stage. And also and the blackest friend to both of and us. My blackest friend. Yes. And if you don't know the inside joke, then <laughs> yeah, go back and listen, go back and listen. Um, and, and so it was, I was standing next to December Rose, the most, she's the most Christian person we had on stage and Eve was framed who was an atheist. Right. And the two of them hug each other, you know, like, and they're both looking at each other and both, and, and they're like, I love you so much. And Eve was framed was like, don't ever change. I think you're amazing. And I was like, okay, that's it. We did it. See, we had an atheist and a Christian 
and they love each other. They were hugging each other. They were like, you're awesome. They Don't share change. the stage. It would, they shared the stage together. It was really beautiful. And that right there was the, that is a, is a snapshot of what Awaken was all about. Um, had great feedback from everybody. Our speakers were fantastic. Um, and so by the time you're listening to this, um, we will have a link available if you missed it and you'd like, or even if you were there and you would like to see it, um, we have uploaded the videos and, uh, even Jennifer Knapp's concert, uh, all of that you can, you can uh, attend virtually at your leisure from the comfort of your own laptop or desktop computer or phone or whatever you're using. Um, yeah, so see, yeah, folks last, last week I told you we would have a link and in two weeks we followed through and it's there. in the show notes. There you go. So yeah, super excited. I mean, really, really cool. Uh, whether or not we're doing it again next year, I don't know. It's too soon to say, but I, I'd like to. It was great. You know, my only complaint is that we didn't uh, have a huge crowd, and I and I again, that's what we got to figure out. Like, what are we doing wrong? How can we get more people? Is it the date? Is it maybe you know we need to change the date on the calendar a little bit? Um, I don't know. I mean, because I think the speakers were fan- not were just fantastic, and. Well, so. I mean, it, it's hard to do. It's like it's like if you're a semi-successful local touring band and you, and you you have a venue out of state or something, and sure. only fifty people show up, and it's like, well, how can we do it better? It's like, well, there's probably a million things, right? I mean, right. A lot of it's marketing, a lot of it's push, a lot of it's timing, it's whatever. Yeah. But I mean, you had enough people there where choir's not going out of business because of it. We didn't like lose money or something. Whew, so that's good. Thank God. That's, that was honestly one of my biggest concerns. It was like, uh, am, Matt, am Matt, I going to bankrupt? bankrupt the, I, I bankrupt choir within six months. God damn it, Keith. I thought it'd be me, honestly. <laughs> yeah. So we uh, dodged a bullet. We didn't bankrupt the company. We had a fantastic event. Um, yeah. Let's keep going. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. I'm I'm glad that happened, and uh, maybe next year you'll invite me. I don't know. I think I will. I think I think we need you there next time. I don't know. What would I? I don't like giving talks, man. No, no, no. I thought we said you're going to videotape and you're going to be my my video. Oh, yeah. Guy. In that case, yeah. I'll do that for sure. Yeah, you're my audio visual. It guy. would be. It would. I mean, it would be cool if we did. Um, I guess we probably can't do Heretic Happy Hour live because of Katie's uh, international situation here. We're not True. flying her out. To, I mean, maybe we'll be crushing it by next year. We could fly her out from Ireland. But at least it'd be me and you and December. You and I could. Yeah. Yeah, in December. December would be there. Yeah, yeah we could do a, a partial Heretic Happy Hour. And maybe we could have Shonda Jaw speak. So she's... Where does she live? She's in Oakland, so she's out by me. Oh, darn. That's that's what I'm saying. When we originally talked about like Awaken West Coast, there's a bunch of us out here too. Don't forget about us, California. I think that's still a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, we have have several people, you know, in the Cali, Pacific Northwest kind of area. So we could do something. Yeah, we've got attorney, one of the attorneys. Yeah, we have Mark Harris in San Diego. He's in San Diego, a whale's vagina. What? I, I still I still can't believe you. I've I've said that joke. Oh oh, Anchorman. Here. It's from Anchorman. God damn it, Keith! You still haven't seen it again? No, I've seen it. What are you talking about? I've seen one and two. All right. Well, sorry. Just that joke doesn't stick in my head. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, I'm going to say it until it does. Mark Harris lives in a whale's vagina. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I'm Ron Burgundy. All right. Well, um, I guess before we get into today's t- into today's topic, we again have a sponsor for the first time, a new sponsor to the show. 
We didn't have one last week. I was worried that we were going to be demonetized and not yeah, yeah. be able to have sponsors. That's scary. Actually, I, I can't really like say all that because we do have like real advertisements now. So that's fear true. not, folks. If you hear if you hear an ad for Honda or some shit, that that that's an actual ad. So yeah, bear oh, with us. I was going to say though, like um, yes, we are. We do have ads, but don't be confused because we've been doing sponsors this whole time, and now we're going to have real <laughs> yeah. sponsors. And yeah. and uh, I, I'm not sure, right? But I thought I heard that somebody was saying there was an ad for like the the Arc experience or something. Yeah, which that would yeah, I think a, people would would assume that was a joke. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, if you're listening to this show for the first time and you heard an ad for the Arc Encounter, that's not a joke. <laughs> but we do have joke advertisements. We do have some joke ones, so, so you know, try to figure out which ones are jokes. Yeah, that's the game now. So uh, let's get into let's say let's play the game. Is it real or is it fake? Are you a Christian author, musician, or artist looking for a Jesus-infused management company? then look no further than Sunshine Ministries. At Sunshine Ministries, we promise to take your content to the next level. And you know we're telling the truth because we're basically losing money on this. Trust us. With our marketing plan, you'll get $100,000 worth of tips and tricks of the trade for the low, low price of $7,500. And though it'll take you an average of 17 years to make that much back in compensation, it's totally worth it because marketing. So sign up now at Sunshine Ministries and save 130% on your package deal because we're like basically losing money on this. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. The, and again, based on true stories, uh, I see these ads all the time, actually, not just Christians, but, you know, just publishers in general. Or publishing Publishers. things in yeah, general. Publish. There's some shady shit in publishing. Yeah. I always tell people, look, if anybody, if you see an ad that's like that saying, hey, we'll publish your book and all you got to do is send us like, you know, $5,000, run. Because that's that's a scam. Don't do that. Um, I also don't understand uh, on the marketing side. I see this all the time too. I mean, I see all the, like all, everything you said, I've seen and worse. All these promises and claims that if you give us your money, we're going to, put your book in front of thousands of people. Um, but I mean, lately I've noticed a trend, but it's more than one company that's doing this where their whole plan to market your book is to, is to build a unique landing page for your book that then you're going to drive traffic to. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't think that works. Cause I, I think that's, again, that's, you're adding a step it doesn't instead of just sending why. people to Amazon, which is where they're going anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've had, Ralph used to do that for us. We used to have these unique landing yeah. pages and they and were they super cool. dope. Like oh, they, they look cool. fucking phenomenal. They got like slides, the quotes go and across, you got little clips video and, clips yeah. that are embedded. Endorsement quotes. Yeah. And then, and then it's like, well, click here to Barnes and Noble, Amazon, Kobo, wherever you click here to buy the book. And it's like, okay, in today's world, that's <laughs> doesn't, that's just one extra step to lose someone along the way. That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, like you said, I, I mean, I loved him when he would send them to me, I'd be all excited about him. But then I realized yeah. like, I, I, I always send people to Amazon. You go to, like, here's the ad you, the ad tells you whether you want to buy it or not. And then it's click to purchase. If I did yeah. that and then I said, click, and then you went to another page and you read more stuff, there's a like, it's very likely, and this is just a marketing principle. Very likely you're going to be like, eh, and you're going to, you're not going to do it. So yeah, we just yeah, stopped I've doing that. 
I've realized just how shady this business. I mean, I I mean, as authors, you get hit with advertisers and people who are going to tell you this and that, and we're going to do that. We're going to do this for you. We're going to do that for you. Okay, cool. But then now that now that you I've been in publishing, you see more of it. It's like you un- yeah. you you peeked behind the veil even more, and you're like, mm-hmm. wow, there are some people out there making some pretty extraordinary claims. And it's just like, I don't and, know how I've been grinding at this. There's not, first of all, what was the book title you were going to write? Like how to be a full-time author in five years. Uh, yeah, and that's years the more. approach yeah. you need. Something like that. That's the yeah. approach. That's realistic. Like I'm not going to sugarcoat shit. It's going to suck. Sometimes you're going to grind. You're going to have to do this and that. And you're going to have to like, a lot of times it's throwing wet noodles against the fridge and seeing what sticks. Right. Yeah. And, and so, so yeah. let's not make these promises of like, I could, get, you'll be selling a hundred thousand copies of your book next year. It's like, so I'm going to be a New York Times bestseller. Like, right. what? Sure you will. what are you talking about? Yeah. No, here's the thing, too. And um, because, number one, even before I was, you know, co owner of choir and working on marketing and stuff for our authors, and I was just really like trying to get better at marketing my own books. Um, you know, so I get these emails all the time, you know, for like, these free webinars or these kind of, you know, author promotion programs kind of things. And, um, so I've, I've watched dozens of these things and, and again, just kind of looking for like, okay, does someone have an idea that I haven't come up with yet? Something I haven't thought of, you know, and that's what I'm doing it for. And I mean, so far, not a single one of them has come up with an idea that I'm like, oh, I'm already doing that. Um, but it's also, yeah. So they, they make you all these kind of promises and all these kind of things. And again, I, I think the the allure for a lot of people is that uh, it seems to be a quick fix, but it also comes with a hefty price tag. And mm-hmm. so they want you to give them a thousands of dollars um, to do stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but I do that myself, you know? And so is it just, I guess it's just people don't want to do it themselves or they don't, I guess they don't have time. I don't know. But for me, the kind of things I recommend in my author's Academy course, which you can, you can, you know, if you're an author and you want to check Which it out, you could purchase for twenty five. Was it twenty five thousand dollars? No, I think I have it for like, I don't know, less than a hundred dollars. Maybe it's a hundred dollars, but it's 12, 12 sessions and it covers all kinds of stuff. Uh, if you're a choir author, by the way, it's free. Uh, but if you're not a choir author, yeah, check that out. Um, you know, but but the things that I recommend are things that I've been doing, and they are things that are long term. That's why I do say like, you know, become a best selling full time author in uh, ten years or more. Because they're the kind of things like it's kind of things like, you know, have a blog and build your platform and and blog on a regular basis, you know, every week for years, you know, because what you're doing is you're slowly building your voice, your credibility, an audience of people that trust you, that like what you're saying. Um, You need that if you're going to sell books down the road, you know, Um, all that kind of stuff. So it takes time to do that. And I don't I think for people that want to just cut a check and they think it's going to help them. I don't know. I, I will say too, though, there is there is one sort of area that I haven't, I've brushed up against it twice, where I've had a publicist, um, you know, reach out to me and be like, oh, Keith, we, you know, I, I offer you these services, like um, one lady, the last one I talked to, she's a television, former television producer, I think she worked for like CNN or something. And, um, but now she's, she does this uh, as a full-time business where she gets authors and she'll put you on, well, this is the thing. She's, she will try to pitch you to get you on like Good Morning America, the Today Show, um, you know, 
just like on television, basically. She'll put you on TV, talk shows, you know, radio shows, interviews, things like this, morning shows, and uh, to promote your book. And I'm like, wow, that sounds amazing. And she's, you know, she gives me all this stuff, like uh, all these other authors that she's done this for. And I'm like, wow, okay, cool. And then she sends you the bill. And it's like, I would have to starve myself for six months to pay <laughs> that. And it's like, it's ridiculous. I'm like, even if it worked, even if, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to somehow come up with this money and I'm going to do this. I mean, I'm, just because I'm on the Today Show, does that mean I'm going to sell like, you know, 5,000 copies? I'm about, maybe, but also maybe not. Maybe people just watch it and go, oh, that's cool. Or maybe I mean, you have a really good week, but that doesn't. Yeah. Okay. I just I feel don't like, know. I feel like it's, um, I don't know if it's just this business or this, there's probably shady. I mean, I know there's shady people in every industry, every business, but it seems like there's a certain um, ability to be preyed upon mm-hmm. when you're a new author, artist, poet, whatever, and, and you have this dream. And yeah. then someone can come swoop in and be like, for the low, low price of yeah, five grand, whatever, yeah. yeah, ten grand, five grand, whatever. And you're like, okay, maybe you're. I mean, this is my passion, so you you got you want to go all in. You're taking a risk anyway, so. Yeah. And then it's like, no, don't don't do that because. No. And let me ask you this: Do you think that we're just prone to seeing this more often because we have a background of Christianity? Do you think Christians in business are really shadier than the average person? I would say, honestly, dude, that's my experience. Um, this is the reason why I will never work for a Christian, anybody, anything ever again. Because I And it's burned. one reason why choir has eliminated all the Christ Christian yes. messaging. We're not, we're just a company. We're not. Yeah, we took the Christ out of Christian publishing um, over <laughs> choir here. <laughs> T-shirt idea. <laughs> we take the Christ out of Christian publishing. And it's, again, not because we don't like Jesus or anything. It's just because like, well, several reasons, right? I think for us, I just want to, I, I don't want to be a Christian publisher. Like I want to be able to yeah. publish a great book by an author who isn't a Christian. I don't want to turn that person away. Like if they go to the website and it's all about Jesus-y stuff and Christian stuff and crosses and stuff, and they're going to be like, yeah, but my book isn't Christian. I'm not a Christian. I don't, you know, why, why would I publish with choir? I, I want it to be like, I want them to see, look at choir and say, damn, you publish some great books. Full stop. Full stop. That's it. So, um, yeah. So we should talk a little bit about maybe uh, some of our past experiences because I, I have come to this conclusion um, with after years of really bad experiences with Christians, always around getting paid for work that I did um, or not getting paid, I should say, for work that I did. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel that's what my little mantra is like, no one can screw you like a Christian company. and. That has yeah, been my experience. I, yeah, it's been my experience of Christian, just like, and even when it doesn't come to money, even if it's just in your dealings with people, whether it's yeah. business or, or quote unquote business, it's it seems like there's just so much shadiness. Um, like the, a, a recent one that I have, and I, obviously I'm not going to name names, but I did some, um, I did some work for another company, a Christian company, and very oriented toward like social justice and equality and equity and not your evangelical white evangelical yeah. Christian so, company. So you felt really good working for them. I right? felt like, like 
these guys are awesome. Well, I'm going to do work yeah, for a company sure. that I can believe in, you know? Yeah. And I was doing things for a fair price. Actually, I was undervaluing my work, uh, which is something I do. <laughs> no, maybe you should um, stop doing that. I guess so. Yeah. See, that's a problem. Um, well, no, my, I've just, I stopped doing side hustle work anymore. Um, and yeah, I eventually did get paid, but it was such a headache and such a hassle. And the check was in the mail for about like seven weeks or five weeks or six weeks or something. It was about, the no, mail about, is so slow. And, and I know it is. It took two months to get you up. But when I got the check and the date on it, I was like, <laughs> nah. see they put the date on there people like so yeah. basically they lied to me about it being in the mail for that long yeah. and it's like no because the date is like a week ago <laughs> oh yeah so this this thing was cut well after you told me it was in the mail and so it's just like and it wasn't we're not talking thousands of dollars we're talking about a little bit of work here for yeah. under a thousand yeah and it's just bucks. like just just pay me like i the work is being done mm-hmm and it was a situation where the work being done was for someone whom I know and am friends with. So they're in a weird spot too. And it's like, yeah. y'all are killing me, man. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, I've got a couple of stories too. Um, I'm trying to think which one I should start with. <clears throat> um, well, I think one of the, uh, there was a time when, and I, I know people who know me personally, they're going to know exactly who I'm talking about. Um, like most people don't know me that personally. So anyway, um, there was a time when I worked for a, uh, I worked part-time for a church and I worked part-time for a church and part-time for a nonprofit ministry. So between those two part-time jobs, I was bringing in a full-time salary, right? Yeah. In theory. Story of my life. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, you know what that's like working two or three yeah. jobs. Yeah. So, um, I'm doing that and, um, so I'm working at the church. Um, I'm doing a kind of heading up a couple of min- ministries. Wendy and I are heading up some ministries there. And um, I work like three days a week there. Um, and then the other three days I'm at the other place. So, um, and I'm doing more than one thing, right? I'm doing like two or three things uh, at once for the, for the church. So it's not just like I was doing, I'll, I'll just go in and say, I was doing children's ministry. Wendy and I were doing children's ministry, which covered like, you know, the nursery all the way up to junior high. And I guess technically high school. Like, so all of it, I, like, I was doing all of it. Wendy and I together were doing all of it. Um, and then uh, we were also doing uh, what we call compassion ministry, which was like um, helping people, you know, in the community who were, who needed financial help or just working with people that were homeless and things like that. That's how we started a motel ministry. So anyway, three days a week, I'm doing this and they're paying me again, like part-time salary. Um, so one weekend, I got my, one of my best friends, I've known him the longest. Um, he, by the way, his name is Lito. He's the one that did the uh, little caricature drawings of Heretic Happy Hour, uh, the, oh, the yeah. pictures of us. All right. So it's, it's yeah. him. Uh, anyway, so he was visiting me in California and um, he met the pastor of the church that's paying me half time, uh, the part time salary. And this is what the pastor says to my best friend. He goes, Oh, yeah, it's so great having Keith here. He goes, Because um, he works his ass off and we only have to pay him part time. He goes, So I'm paying part time for a full time employee. And, and Lito looks at him and he goes, And you're okay with that? <laughs> and I just, that was, that was right there. That was the moment. I was like, Because here's what's funny I didn't even click. I just thought, you know, I'm doing this. I'm doing my best and all this stuff. They're paying me this little, 
halftime thing they're paying me. But when the, when the pastor sort of bragged about it to my friend, like, oh yeah, I'm getting a full-time employee, but I'm only paying him halftime. It was like, yeah, and why would you do that with and, and not feel bad about it? Like, exactly. in other words, you know he's worth more than this. Why aren't you paying him more? Because because it's it's like it's more capitalist than Christian, right? Yeah. It's it's all about um, the bottom line. And mm. as a business person, now that we're business people, it's I mean, obviously, you're worried about your bottom line, but yeah. not at the expense of the people you're having business relationships with. Right. So it now reminds me of it reminds me of the Hillsong. Have you seen the the Hillsong documentary, the new one? I haven't um, seen the documentary, but I've heard. Well, but just the common like the common thing where basically they were working volunteers to the bone. Yeah. But in their mind, I mean, you're you're pitching it as you're doing work for the kingdom, brother. You're doing it for the Lord, brother. Yeah. For no, no, I, I hear that shit all the time. But in yeah. the but in the back of their mind, as business people, because let's let's be honest, that's what churches are. They're they're yeah. tax tax sheltered business people. That's right. Um, they're like. Are you fucking serious? Like free labor? All we got to do is maybe give them a pizza. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Give them a, give them know, a pizza. We got a big over. event. Throw out some Costco pizzas. That's it. Yeah. So, yeah. so the other the um the other shoe that dropped at this church was, um. So I was asking them if they would bring me on full time, and they every time I would ask them about like, hey, you know, I'd like to work. I'd like to be full time here. Um, they would say, oh, we don't have the budget. We don't have the money. Blah blah blah. So after working for them for about a year. Um, and after, and them telling me several times, no, we don't have the money for this. All of a sudden, this guy shows up and I knew him from a previous church and he's a good guy. So it's not on him, uh, but he shows up. And next thing I know, they're like, Hey, you know, here he is. And he, we're hiring him and he's, he's our new, um, young adults pastor, full-time salary, full-time salary, dude. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Really? So again, you know that I'm working my ass off for you. You know you should be paying me a full-time salary. You've been telling me you don't have the money, but all of a sudden this guy shows up and out of the blue, instantly, boom, he's hired full-time salary. Like, oh, bullshit. To quote the great philosopher, Dr. Dre, fuck y'all, all all (laughs) (laughs) y'all. Yeah, so that that sucked. Yeah, that's that's, that's hella shady. Um, uh, I have a, a... not a business shadiness, but uh, when I was playing um, music for the the church that, you know, the high school, college, yeah. or it was like probably by then it was like early adult ministries or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did have actually, I will say we had, um, we had a decent band eventually, like, because it, like all the musicians in it, at least like the core musicians were like into like me without you and things like that. So we tried to. Oh, cool. We try to be cool. Yeah. Um, the the current, yeah, the current singer was my best friend. And he was actually, he went to school on scholarship to sing in something like that, vocal, whatever. So he could sing, right? But yeah. he, he did sound like the guy uh, from Gatsby's American Dream. Did you ever listen to them back in the day? No, actually never heard oh. of them. Oh, they're really good. Um, but super unique and quirky and like, um, like kind of a prog rock post-punk band. Um, and okay. Long story short is the main music pastor, which he always wanted to be a star. Like he, he, nothing, he was, he was trying to jump off the church into like 
American Idol or something. He oh yeah, and and it was just like okay, yeah, you're a guy who can play like a bunch of instruments, and you're marginally talented. I mean, okay, good luck, buddy. Yes. Um, so they they put in like a hundred thousand dollars sound system in our church when he got there and all this shit. Oh yeah, wow. it's fucking nuts. While okay, this is part of the shady part. They did that. Then after that, this was during the '08 crisis, right? The mortgage crisis. Oh yeah. Instead of doing, they they called it. We're going to get the mortgage monkey off our back, and so they had they asked for more money, uh-huh. more and more money to pay off their mortgage. And even at the time, I'm sitting there going, "Why don't you reverse it? Like flip it and reverse it, like Missy? Like shouldn't you be collecting money from the rich people in the church and to getting help. the mortgage monkey off the people in the pews because we're going through a mortgage crisis, which I guarantee some of us are yeah. either foreclosing or short selling." Yes. Um, but that's that's one of the that was super shady. But then they have a sit down. They have one a pastor and the uh, music pastor and me have a sit down about the direction of the group of the band, the worship mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. And um, they want they're pitching to me because I'm the singer's best friend. They're saying, well, we don't think he's good enough to be the singer. So we want you to convince him that we're going to move him to bass, which is that he played bass while singing. But he played bass like we all play bass. Yeah. Like because we play guitar. Right, right, right. We play, he, he played guitar. And so, okay, I'll just fill in and play bass. Sure. Because he's such a good bass player. We, to, so to pitch my best friend, pitch it like you're such a good bass player that we, we need you to focus <laughs> on that. And in my mind, I'm thinking that is, I mean... I, I'm the guy's best friend. He knows I'm not going to say, Hey, you're such a great bass player that we like, no. you're not a bass player. You're a guitar player who's playing bass. I actually yeah. learned bass first. So I know the difference between a bass player and a guitar sure. player who happens yeah. to play bass. I'm like, that's such, and I told him spot on the spot. I was like, why don't you have the balls to say that you're the pastor, you're the leader of the group. You're going to get me to try to convince my best friend who's going to know I'm full of shit mm-hmm. to try to get him off of there. So you could put in a singer that you want. Yeah. You shady, spineless motherfuckers <laughs> no you can do that and so they they had to and they did and they eventually you know replaced him dude that's um, but they tried to get me to do it of course like they tried yes. to get the best friend to do it knowing full well i would have to be full of shit to do that yeah all right well, so uh, as we're telling stories here uh, i have another one so this the season of my life when I was uh, at the church and at the nonprofit was a was my season of learning those hard lessons of getting ripped off and exploited by Christian companies or Christian churches. So the, on the nonprofit side of what I was doing, um, we were a nonprofit. We did events um, with like youth events. So we had like youth camps, summer camps, things like that. And we also did like uh, uh, college events um, where we'd have speakers come, like a conference, right? So, um, you know, it's sort of like a big, it's almost like being a farmer <clears throat> where like you, you do all this work all year long to have like one crop. And then if you have a good harvest, then you survive till the next year. Mm-hmm. So these events, these two big events in the summer that we did, the summer camp for the youth was the big one. And then the college one we added, uh, as like gravy. So we were doing these events and, uh, registrations were not happening. And, um, we ended up basically losing money on that. And so, but we're, but we kept going. Right. So we had people like creditors calling us. We owed people thousands of dollars. We didn't pay because we didn't have the money because we didn't get the registrations. Um, and so that also meant we didn't get paid. And, and the director of the organization was like, 
oh, hey, you know what? Um, I'm talking to some big donors in, in a couple of weeks. I'm going to, I'm going to go meet with them and talk to the big donors. And, you know, I think they can cut a check and then they'll, they're going to cover our salaries. So I'm like, so I hang on. Right. So me and like, it was only me and like two other guys. So it was a small, small group that was the director and then three other guys. Um, and so we're all like hanging in there. Okay. So we're waiting and waiting. And then, you know, the thing that really killed me was the guy wouldn't call me. So like, I wouldn't know he's meeting with them on Friday, right. In, in a week and a half or two weeks. So I'm waiting for that day and then I'm waiting for that day and then I'm waiting for a phone call on fr- on the day he has the meeting. No, no phone call. Saturday, Sunday, no phone call. Monday, no phone call. Like, what the hell? So I'm emailing him. I'm calling him. Hey, dude, what's going on? And then he would talk to me like, hey, what's up? I'm like, uh, the meeting? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, now they, I think they still might cut a check. We don't know. You know, let's skip another week or so. So, all right. So now another week. Anyway, so the, the, the basically this kept happening. And then that one didn't work out. But then it's like, well, I'm going to meet with the board of this church that that we're, that's with us. And I think I can get them to make a donation and we can blah, blah, blah. Anyway, basically, it just, the, the goalpost kept moving, right? Uh, in two weeks, in another week, in two more weeks, in three weeks, in next month. And in the meantime, we're all still working and I'm getting paid nothing. I worked for them for free for about three months. Mm. Um, and I don't even, honestly, going thinking back on it now, I don't know how we survived, dude. I don't, I have no idea how my little family in Orange County, California, uh, kept eating and paying the bills somehow. We probably had a lot of help from friends. Um, anyway, but basically after three months, I finally am like, I'm an idiot. I should just quit this job. Mm-hmm. And I think I did. I went to turn in my res- my resignation. And then the guy comes back to me and he goes, okay, Keith, you know what? Um, Cause they also had a church. They had a nonprofit ministry and a church associated with the ministry. He goes, I think you should come Shocking. on staff at the church. Yes. Because yeah. I think you should come on staff at the church because the church side, you know, I think we have enough money that we could bring you on and you could be like associate pastor at the church um, and the ministry. And then you could work for the ministry and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he was like promising me all this stuff. Right. Okay. So I did that. I'm an idiot. I don't know why I didn't. I, I should have left. I should have run. But I, I'm in for an after after three months of getting strung along. I'm like, okay. So uh, now I'm working for the church, too. And eventually, I think he did get like a big donation from somebody. I think it was from a ch- the, the church we were partnered with. So he tells me that. He's like, oh, yeah, hey, they just cut us a big check for like, I don't know, $10,000 or something. And I'm like, oh, dude, awesome. Well, you know, can I get my back pay? And he looked at me know. like, what are you talking about? He goes, oh, I'm so sorry if you misunderstood. Like, yeah, we can't afford to do back pay. I'm like, what? So I, I was. Why, why have I been working? Why have I been working my ass off this whole time at trusting and hoping and praying and believing that at some point this magical thing was going to happen and we're going to get this money and I, then I'll get paid for all the work I did for free. So yeah, dude, that was like, finally it clicked for me. Like I need to run I need to get as far away as I can. So after those two experiences, and again, they happened back to back. It was like, dude, I just stopped and realized like, you know, when I work for, you know, just regular companies that aren't Christian, that aren't nonprofits, um, I work and they pay me. And there's no, nothing shady about any of that. Like I, I've never had a problem with, with getting paid for the work that I do when I work for a company that isn't a Christian company. So yeah, after after getting burned like that, I'm like, yeah, I think I'm done working for Christian organizations, ministries, churches, nonprofits. I have I yeah, it's tough because I I I have one story. It's not a Christian nonprofit. It was a foster agency nonprofit. 
and we actually had to do um what do you call those lawsuits when a bunch of staff do it oh a class action class action lawsuit because what was happening with us is we would work like i would go in my shift at the group home would be like thursday friday saturday and it would be thursday like 8 a.m all the way through saturday at 10 p.m and that's how group homes typically i mean a lot of times are you you have long, long shifts um but they would pay us a 40 hour work week and if you calculate that out, it's a lot more than 40 hours, right? Yeah. And they're saying, well, you're sleeping there, so we're not going to pay you. And okay, sure. After a while, you're like, but you're, you're, you're having to sleep there for eight hours. And there's not a group home worker who has ever slept in eight hours <laughs> right. on a cot in an office where kids are probably sneaking out and all the, you know, the whole yeah. nine. And some of these are, you know, convicted, whatever, felons or whatever at some point. Um you know, not, I'm not trying to, you know, uh, shit on them. They're just kids that are tough. You know, you're not sure. sleeping every no. day, you know? So, um, we, we did a class action lawsuit and they had to pay us back pay, um, for years. So wow. it was, um, it was a nice check to get, but it's like they, and they were trying to, you know, be super shady about it. And, yeah. and then, and then I did get laid off for that. Um, oh. Well, yeah, I'm sure all of us did who were in right. on the class action lawsuit. Of course, we're gonna we're gonna restructure, quote unquote, we're restructuring because yes. they can't they can't <laughs> fire you for that. But um, you know, th- there would probably be more litigation. But it's weird in California; it's an at will hire and fire, so you can fire someone for any reason. That's right. Yep. Yeah, um, I also had an issue. I mean, other than the discrimination, probably. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a similar issue where, like, um, uh, it wasn't a Christian company. But the owner was a Christian guy. In fact, you know, we had to pray every morning together before we started yeah. work. Um, he did this weird thing where he would, this is after, by the way, all the drama that I just talked about. So the, I, this is another time. This may be the last time I got screwed, I think. I hope. Uh, I think I think it is. Um, at least majorly screwed. So I was working for this guy. And um, in fact, you know what? I think it's what happened after I left those those two ministries, actually, come to think of it. Yes. I was out of work for like a year, and then this guy offers me a job because he knew me from church. So we knew he had this business. He hired me, and he was doing all this weird stuff, like he and we had to pray together in the mornings. And then he did this weird thing where at lunch, everybody ate lunch together, okay? Uh, there's only It was a small group. It's like, again, there's only four people working there. And um, so I would bring my lunch. Because you know, in 30 minutes, I can't go anywhere. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was a 30-minute lunch. So um, I bring my lunch. And then what he would do is, there was so it was me and him, the owner, and we're, we're guys. And then we had the two other employees were women. So check this out. He would, at lunch, he would have the women go get our lunches out of the fridge. And if they needed to be oh heated God. up, they would heat them up for us. They would put our lunches on a plate. Then they would get their lunches. Then they would bring them on, put them on a table. Then we would all eat at the table together. We had to have lunch together. And then when we were done, the women would clean up. I was like, dude, what the hell? I go, I could clean. I The first day I was there, I was like, I grabbed my lunch. and It's a business goes, in California? Yes. I grabbed my lunch and he's like, what are you doing? I go, oh, I'm going to heat up my lunch in the microwave. He goes, oh, no, no. So-and-so will do it for you. Was like, this in the, she's not my was mom. It, was this in the 40s? <laughs> no, I, that's what I'm saying. So that was one thing that was weird. But then after working there, like the, I guess it's two weeks before I got my first paycheck, right? And we had to clock in, 
Okay. So we clocked in in the morning. We clocked in and out for lunch. And then we clocked out at the end of the day. So we had we had time cards. And I kept track of my time card. So I'm, I'm expecting, I know how much they're supposed to pay me. Well, I get the check and it's a lot less. And what I realize is, is that he, um, he docked me for an hour for lunch, even though we only took 30 minutes at lunch. So he, he acted as if I wasn't working an extra 30 minutes every day. So it's like, even though it was only a 30 minute lunch, he acted as if it was an hour lunch and deducted my pay. So I was like, dude, I called him on it. I'm like, hey, uh, you're paying me for this much. But I, my time card says I worked these. I mean, it's on a time card. And then they acted like, oh, yeah, sorry. You know, we'll fix that mistake. I'm like, yeah, no. You would have you kept doing that until mm-hmm. I said something, right? You were just hoping I wouldn't notice or say anything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was lame. That, that was, was shady. Yeah, that was really shady. Anyway, I, I quit that job. I walked away. There was more than there was more shady stuff than that going on. I mean, um, but yeah, when I all that stuff added up, and I was like, yeah, I need to get out of here. They get Christian companies too get super manipulative because they justify this stuff too. That's right. right? It's a they'll, ministry. They'll, it's a it's for the Lord, it's brother. A, it's for the but they'll, they'll also flip it on you and like I mean probably use freight like uh talk about how it's easier for camel to fit through the eye of a needle than the rich man to enter the well, you know, yeah, right? trust me i'm not a rich man kind of, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> i was thinking about that phrase a lot like all right well who would have been the rich people because i would I w- i'll be honest i want a little more money here sure. um who would have been the, the rich people back in the day or even today generally speaking you come from generational wealth yes there's no there's no upward mobility in that world Right. Right. So he's not talking to like some poor people who did something to get rich, who, un, who, who, you know, there's, there's warnings to be said about that. Don't forget where you came from and all sure, that. Of course. Yes. But I think at least when, like, if you, if you grew up poor and you've lived paycheck to paycheck or you don't know where your money's coming from, um, you work three jobs just to make ends meet. And then all of a sudden you hit it off. I think. I don't know if Jesus would be warning us about that kind of stuff as much as it is like, no, he says those things about the rich because it's like, you don't know what it's like just to live a tough life. That's right. And I think you get some of these Christian businesses who obviously they're going to use and manipulate the Bible for all sorts of shit. And when it comes to money, they start to use that and manipulate and justify. Like, how can you justify paying off multi-million dollar mortgage at a church by using the money from people who in the pews are losing their homes. That's right. And there's no c- concern or compassion for them. Yeah, that sucks. And that's that's the most unchristlike thing you could do. Right. Right. How do we not get that? How do we not understand that? Like I don't I don't know. It just there does seem to be a pattern where nonprofits well, that- and Christian companies and Christian nonprofits are some of the like the worst the biggest red flags there yeah no exactly and it's funny too because like um <clears throat> i mean you have to look for it to, you have to be looking for it i should say to see it but um old and new testament scriptures are also are very harsh on the rich who exploit the poor mm-hmm. um and the new testament's even like jesus is even harder on them you know people uh, people yeah. today in america who are like capitalist christians they don't see that they don't notice that but um Jesus condemns rich people. James condemns rich people. Um, you know, they're like, 
yeah, they, the, the, the New Testament scriptures do not honor the wealthy. They warn them, woe to you who are rich. Um, and then they elevate the poor, right? Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the humble. So yeah, there's, it's an upside down look at an economy there in, in the New Testament for sure. And, but you know, we don't see that and we don't talk about that at all. We don't, we don't, I mean, I never heard growing up. I don't think I ever would at a, at a Baptist church hear a sermon, you know, like warning rich people that they should be caring for their employees or caring for the poor in the community, using their money to help people who are less fortunate. Did, did you get a lot of prosperity shit? I didn't get too a much prosperity bit. stuff. Not, 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 um, not overtly. I mean, they weren't really into that, that name it and claim it health and wealth stuff like Benny Hinn. I think we did have, we had the like Dave Ramsey seminars and shit. But, but there was still, but see, there were people in the church who, who maybe personally did buy into that. So it it wasn't coming from the pulpit, but, you know, conversations, you know, you're having with people around church, you know, events and things. Uh, Yeah. People would basically say, if you have faith, God's going to bless you. And the, the evidence of, you know, that is that you you have money and you're wealthy. And uh, I, I did have someone tell me once from the, from on staff at the church, actually, that Wendy and I had a quote unquote poverty mindset. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? That's because I'm why in you, poverty, bitch. Why don't you pay me a little more <laughs> and then I wouldn't be in a poverty mindset. I, I'm in a poverty mindset because I can't, I can't feed my kids. Because I'm broke, motherfucker. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> I'm working two jobs here uh, because of you. Yeah, Maybe you can help me out with my. Did you help me with that poverty mindset? By like, cutting me a check, you cheap bastard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. See, that's what I'm talking about. They'll they're sit there and spin this shit and make you seem like like you're the bad person. Like if you just change your mindset, you're gonna manifest some money. And yeah, it's like. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. But there's a, there's also a balance too because I'm gonna be honest. Like I'm trying to I'm trying not to be poor. If you yeah. said, Matt, could you have five million dollars tomorrow? I'd be like, fuck yeah, I'm not an idiot. So then all of a sudden, you, <laughs> are you rich? Well, now you now woe to you. It's like uh, I don't know about yeah, that. Okay, like I, it, I, you can do business ethically. Yes, it's not are you rich or not. It's how did you get that five million dollars, right? So if someone said, hey, I give you five hundred dollars tomorrow, you'd say yes. But what if they said? Um, yeah, but, but for that, but for that 5 million, million. you're going to have to like screw a bunch of people and, and rip them off and cheat them out of something. And, you know, be like, well, then I'd say, no, I don't want it at that price. Right. I want to be able to do business ethically. (laughs) What's the price got to go up then? (laughs) Yeah. But you know, I mean, like I don't need five, I personally, I mean, sure. I would take $5 million, but I don't need, like right now I'm not going, damn, if I just had $5 million, I could, you know. Uh, so like, you know what I mean? I, I don't need that much money. I, I need some money. Yeah. You know, but there's something that's sort of fair. I mean, technically I am, I am at a poverty level wages right now because like, that's the only way I, um, qualify for like free insurance. You have mm-hmm. to be making under a certain amount and I'm definitely under that amount. So yeah. that's the only way I have insurance right now. So, you know, yeah. yeah, I mean, yes, we're running choir and choir is doing well and we're super happy, but it gets getting better every month and we're hoping the choir is going to do better, you know, uh, in the years to come. But, uh, you know, I'm still not, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not buying, you know, uh, an extra car. I'm not taking a trip to Europe. I, I don't have a swimming pool. Uh, you know, it's nothing like that. I settled for the G5. <laughs> and I know Kenneth Copeland brags about his G7, but. Uh, the jet. Yeah, well, yeah. Yes, if you don't, yeah. Jet. 
I shouldn't yes. even have to say that, Keith. I, I'm well. To me, you do because <laughs> no. And here's the thing: like I, I, I don't know that it's ever going to happen. But I mean, if Choir ever did start making that kind of money, I wouldn't buy a jet. It just seems kind of stupid. I wouldn't buy a I don't jet. Want a jet. And look, like if I would much rather just make a decent living, yeah, continuing to put other people first. And, and see, that's the thing, like I, I would, and this is what we're doing. I would rather strip the Christianese and then do the things to help others yeah, rather than have it all be like Jesus, 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 and then just be a total <laughs> shitty company like so many of the rest of them. Yeah. And use that as a, as a shield for, I don't actually have to do anything if I just like put the smoke screen up that it's all about Jesus um, then I mean, we yeah. could be telling our authors, like we could be charging people for this and that we could be doing of that. Course. We could be say, Hey, yo, I mean, you're a new author. We're basically like, I don't even know if we're making money on we're this. We're losing money on this, man. Putting out your book, yeah. taking a yeah, chance okay. on you. How do we know you're even going to sell any books? You know? So exactly. We got well, We have families to take care of here. This is a business. Yeah. Which all true. But again, like I, you know, not to plug my own book, but the theme of my last book <laughs> Uh, which won an award, Woo-hoo! I might I say. Yeah, yes, congratulations, man. That's uh, awesome. Is balance. Like, you have to balance all this shit. You can't, you know, you could be about making money, but you got to balance it with doing it the right way, treating others yeah. right. Yeah, and and I think we're on the right track. I mean, what we're trying to do is, uh, we were just talking, I was, you and I were messaging back and forth the other day, well, actually last night, actually. And like, I was just sitting and thinking about like, damn, and we've only been, we haven't even been running choir for a year. And, you know, so six months into this, I'm looking at the books that choir has put out just so far. And oh my gosh, we have, we have put out in six months, so many fantastic books. And then I know there's stuff, you know, on the schedule that'll be coming out in the next six, you know, six months uh, forward that are, you know, waiting to come out that are like, oh my gosh, this is, it's unbelievable. The, the the quality of books, the kinds of books that we're putting out. I can't wait, you know, for people to get to see these books. And and, and we're so, basically losing money on them. So, I mean, you know they're good. <laughs> well, we're not losing money on them, but we're not rolling <laughs> in cash either. So, um, I don't know. I'm just saying like, you know, I would rather, I would rather go, go back to what I was saying about, you know, how to become a bestselling author in, in, in 10 years or more. And in some ways, I kind of think like that's probably what Squire is going to do is like it's going to take us more time because we're doing it in an ethical way we're, because we're putting out these great books. And it's sort of like if we we believe that if we just continue to find and publish great authors with great books, that they're going to and we do that consistently. And so far, we've been able to do that very consistently mm-hmm. in a couple like two or three books a month. Uh, it's insane. Um, if we can keep doing that, that we just believe that at some point choir is going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to hit that tipping point where it's like, okay, choir has so many great books, right? Maybe two years, three years worth of just consistently great books by great authors that it's going to be amazing for choir and even better for our authors. Cause our authors make a better split than, you know, off the sale of the books than we did. Yes, sir. That's the hope. That's the hope. The first step, though, was getting Christ out of Christian publishing. That's right. Step one, take the Christ out of Christian step publishing. One. <laughs> step two, rolling the cash, motherfuckers. Yeah, that hasn't happened yet. 
I mean, you know, the, the, the big, uh, the big dream, right. Is, you know, you think about like, if you could just have this one book, like the shack that just like explodes, or if you could get a book that gets optioned, you know, for like a Netflix movie or something like that, right. Or, or a series, then man, that's going to be a huge payday. And look, that could happen. All of those things still could happen. Of course it's possible that we have a book that just blows up and next thing you know, it's the next shack or something. Or, or, and I think we've put out books that easily could be made into a series or a movie or something like that. All that would be great, but I, ha- <clears throat> I haven't personally. I'm pretty confident mean? that ne- I'm pretty confident that Netflix would not look at any of my books and want to make a series. Oh, not my movie. books. No, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, other books that we have published, you know, I think they have potential for that kind of thing. So, you know, if it happens, great. But if not, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. That's right. We're going to keep screwing people so we can get that G6. <laughs> I'm trying to upgrade the, to the G6. Would you, um, if you, would you get a yacht? I would, I no, would, uh, I hate boats and I don't like being on the water. My like dad, boats. my dad had a bass boat when we were younger. He did, we take it you out. You truly are a hobbit then. Yeah. I don't like water. don't like water either. Yeah. Like every time I've been out on a boat, I'm, I have this terror, like I'm going to die either drowning or getting eaten by a shark or something like I don't what's, like the what's ocean. One, what's one, before we roll here, what's one big ticket item you would, if you had an infinite amount of money? Just one big ticket item that you'd be like, I, I would definitely want that. An infinite amount of money. Well, okay. Or enough to buy. Or just enough to buy whatever I want. Enough to buy whatever that one thing is. It could Honestly, be dude, I just want to get out of debt. I just want to pay know, off my debt. And so that would be the first thing. So then after that, let me think. Just one fun thing that you'd buy. Well, this is really geeky. It's going to like, go sci-fi. I, I'm going to go sci-fi here. I'm a, uh, I, I'm, I have, I'm a huge Blade Runner fan, and um, I have a pretty hefty Blade Runner collection. But I have, I pretty much have collected everything I can afford without getting a divorce. Uh, because there are certain items that are like probably That's anywhere the key from marriage five hundred dollars to over a thousand dollars that I know I'll never be able to afford. So that's what I would do if I had if I suddenly had disposable income like hundreds or thousands of dollars I could just blow and not feel super guilty about it. I would probably just go and then I'd I'd do an eBay shopping spree and pick up a few things. Nice. Kind of silly. But that's what I what would you do? Um I probably would get a uh I had a chance to have my grandfather's 56 Thunderbird and it was the year they were married and my my grandfather gave it to me. And then there was like beef with his son because his son was mad. And so I didn't want to cause family drama. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. And he's a dick. I get, I I was like, have it. And he let it rot. It's, Uh. it's it's like unsolved. And it was cherry. It was really nice when my grandfather owned it. I got a tattoo. I got a tattoo of 56 Thunderbird on my arm. Dude. In memory of them. So I would buy, it would be like a peach color 56 Thunderbird with white interior, all original. Okay. All right. Now you're, making me, now you're making me think. All right. So. Um, <laughs> I already got a plan, man. And that's not even a lot of that much money. It's an uncomfortable car to drive. And, yeah. you know, for like 50 grand, you could get a nice, nice one. But so I, my, I, I kick myself for giving that, that dude that car. Yeah. I kick myself because uh, you're making me think now maybe I would do this too. Um, my first car when I was a senior in high school, um, my dad had a friend that was, I think moving to Germany or something. And he had this 67 Camaro, um, mm. had a three on the tree. It was set up to race, it had air shocks, it had a Holly four barrel. 
Um, I mean, this thing was awesome. And I, I did a wet sand on it. We repainted it. Um, it looked gorgeous, dude. That car, I loved, loved, loved that car. It got horrible gas mileage. Right, eight. <laughs> yeah, it was horrible. And mostly because um, it got, well, it just, it just did because it sucked gasoline. But also because every time I pull up to a light and there'd be like a, a Trans Am or a Corvette, and they would like, vroom, vroom, I would have to race them to the next light and I would win. I did win every time, but I would, my gas gauge would just be like back on empty. So I just couldn't afford it. I was going to college at the time and I sold it. Uh-huh. And oh my gosh, I, I wish I still had that car right now. I, I would, I would probably, if I could, I would go back, I would find a 67 Camaro, just like that one. And, uh, I would drive that car. I love that car. I'm not even a car guy either. So I'm not either. I'm not either, but yeah. dude, I missed that car. That was a great car. I really regret getting rid of that. All right, man. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Before we go, of course, rate and review this show. That's like tipping your wait staff. That's right. Rate and review this show. Tell your friends, share it far and wide and look out for red flags. If, 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 uh, if there's something too good to be true, there's a reason for that. If you're working for a Christian company and they're promising you to pay you or they're stiffing you and telling you, well, it's, it's a ministry brother. We're not doing this for money or any of that other bullshit. Ghost them. Bounce out of there. Out of there. Go get a great job on Indeed or something. Um, (laughs) Find something. (laughs) Just something from from a company that will like, you work these hours, you get this paycheck, and that's it. And that's it. That's a wrap. All right. Love you all. Thanks for listening. Go listen to the other Choircast shows. And check out the show notes for the link to the virtual conference. At this point, it's a virtual conference for you. Yes. Go buy that package. You'll have the down. You'll download the files, right? And the files are there. There's forever. Well, you don't download them. You watch it on the platform. You watch them, yeah. but there's not like a time limit. They're gone in a month. No, or no, whatever. You, you can have them forever. They're yours. Yeah. Stream it whenever. So yeah, go check that out. We'll link down there, and we'll see you in two weeks. All right, see you.